0: Today's episode of The Movies That Made Her But Not Me is sponsored by FilmCred. Providing new film critics and writers in-depth feedback on their writing, FilmCred is made up of a community of collaborators dedicated to publishing insightful reviews, interviews, video essays, and coverage of film festivals. Visit Film-Cred.com to learn more. everyone i'm minna stein
1: and i am lauren lloyd and you are listening to the movies that made her but not me
0: today we have a very special guest Stefan deckant here to talk with us about his career in art direction and production design he's worked various roles on a number of incredible films including production designer on the tragedy of macbeth supervising art director on the 2010 alice in wonderland and as an illustrator on jurassic park the lost world But today, Stefan is here to talk with us about his time as the art director on Avatar, a movie we've discussed previously here on the Movies That Made Her But Not Me, and also as a storyboard artist on the Polar Express. The movie is the Polar Express. The first feature-length movie to use exclusively motion capture, this 2004 film is about one boy's journey to the North Pole on the Polar Express train. On his adventure, he learns about faith, friendship, bravery, and how sometimes you just have to believe. The year is 2004. George W. Bush is re-elected. Pixar's sixth feature film, The Incredibles, is released. The European Union adds 10 new nations. The world's tallest bridge is opened in France. And NASA launches a pilotless mission to study Mercury. I was also four years old and seeing my first movie in the movie theater, The Polar Express. So, for this episode, I will ask Stefan first. When was the first time that you heard of the Polar Express? Well, it's interesting you were talking about um, motion capture freeing things up um, Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, you know, casting and who's playing what and where the camera is going. Um, I think it's a nice segue into a larger Mm -hmm. conversation about motion capture Mm -hmm. and different projects that you've worked on. Um, I don't Mm -hmm. think... It's, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it's a coincidence Mm -hmm. that you worked on the first feature length motion, all motion capture film, and also the highest grossing motion capture (laughs) film, and actually the highest grossing film of all time, which just happens to be motion capture. So I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you think and how you think working on the Polar Express set you up to then work on other motion capture projects like Avatar.
2: To, To be honest, that would be a great narrative. But to be honest, what it was, was Rick again, because I was a storyboard artist. I didn't on Polar Express. So I didn't dig into the motion capture. And I got to say when I would come around it, it seemed, you know, what you have is, you know, all these cameras lined around you, have people with dots on, um, you have the cameras need to tell the computer where the arms and legs are. So you can't have walls. You have chicken wire mesh. It's, there's something unromantic about it. Mm-hmm. So, so my, my personal feeling about, it's kind of a stiffness about it. Like it doesn't, I don't, it's hard for me to, to hook up with. I came on to, to um, Avatar as an illustrator and then realized that I, I just wasn't, I didn't have the chops to mm-hmm. see how good the illustrators have gotten. I was bouncing back and forth between art director roles and um, had just met my wife and we'd worked together on a film and saw how much she just protected that production designer. And, and I, I don't mean just she was tenacious in terms of like, I'm going to make things happen so this person can think on a higher level. And I, I felt like that's the best way I could work on that show was I could be this person that could organize people and make things happen, mm-hmm. uh, which is still a creative thing. It's just a managerial kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn, there was a guy named um, Andrew Jones, who now production designs um, the Mandalorian mm-hmm. and Andrew Jones was the only, per, literally the only person in town who understood, who was in the art department and understood motion capture. He had been on the floor and pioneered it with Bob on, on um polar and now he was working with jim and they had been doing tests god for maybe a year before i even started on avatar so when i worked with i I needed to sit down with with andrew and just go how do you do this what is it how do you get it working out but it was different because Mm -hmm. polar express we built 3d models right and then we you'd have to translate them and you made these these chicken wire cutouts it's was, it was a very hard process for an actor it's mm-hmm. a really difficult difficult it's hard i think it's for hard for everyone
3: mm-hmm.
2: and for Paul, for what, what uh, for avatar what jim had done was first of all the volume size grew i think it was like 35 by 80 feet or 70 mm-hmm. feet so mm-hmm. now you had a larger area that you could have a couple people in or a few, you are know, quite a bit of people in but he also they were building the 3d environment so that it was locked on to everyone so jim had like this steering wheel i'm sure you've seen this jim has a steering wheel with like a with a camera with a with a, with a monitor on it and that's his camera And when he looks in he sees like a video game version Well, at that time a video game version of what the world is mm-hmm. so you have to design yeah a world that looks evocative, right? Mm That's in 3D. You've got to design every element. Every single plant has to be designed. The ground terrain needs to be designed. Now, every element, including that ground terrain, needs to be flexible. So that as he's in it, because we shot that stuff over and over and over again before we did it for real. So that he could almost figure out what the movie was. So if he decided he was going to change the ground terrain, all these Twenty-year-olds are are moving the ground terrain to go. You want it this high? You want it this high? And Andrew has a crew where they they developed this. Um, they they made building blocks. So they go, oh, an A and G on the top of this will get you a ground terrain. So they had twenty different. They had more than that. They had forty different building blocks that were lightweight and they could be flexible. That's just crazy. <laughs> to me, it's really amazing. It's, it's incredibly technical. It's unromantic. <laughs> you know it's not personally. Come on. You, you, right. Like, I get it. I like it. I think it's really interesting. I see how it works. I need to know how it works. But personally, I might not be so connected to it. I like walking on a set. I like walking. Like, so yeah. I I i was a roving fielder on that movie i i kind of joke and uh, being midwestern and catholic uh, fairly self-deprecating um more than i should be but you know i just say my job is to kind of stick my finger in the dike until we got a solution to make it work so i moved i, I dealt with motion capture i dealt with action props and, and i was also down in new zealand working with that crew with the live action sets and i, I I like the live action sets because I, I like that tactile thing. I like seeing it. I like seeing the lights. I like um, I like seeing the different crafts. But as an art director, I sometimes, I could tell I was taking too long because I just wanted to watch guys sculpt or paint or, or build. You know, like, the, I like that. I, I, I might be showing my age, but it... it it's harder for me to connect with motion capture. That doesn't say I would never do a motion capture movie, but that's that's a whole thing where you're you you've got these two realms. One's creating the environment, and there's an aesthetic to it, and and that happens fairly quickly, you know. Where you go, oh, let's make this leaf and do this, and you move it around. Then the others is kind of things need to connect with so that their hands don't go through, and that one that one's a little tougher, you know. It's it's tough. I, I just personally like. I like walking into a set i just i just like seeing that i remember we we were at um we were down where they built the spruce goose and playa vista which doesn't exist anymore and um you know they had these offices you weren't sure where the engineers worked and the big panes of glass and you would look down and you'd see these guys uh motion capturing the scene and i just felt like i was in a woody allen movie i felt like i was in sleeper seeing how movies of the future would take place because it's it's so counterintuitive at least for me
0: I have a few things. the first thing mm-hmm. is um you you say that you' you like have a hard time connecting with it but I'm just wondering if you feel like you know as a storyboard artist or as an art director that it gives you more freedom to um come up with whatever kind of world you want to come up with because yeah. like yeah. I personally feel like on Avatar, you know, you're less of an art director and more of an anthropologist because you're kind of like developing an entire society and culture and yes. world from nothing, like coming up with the animals and the yes. plants and everything and and like that's I mean, I guess you could do that live action, but I feel like with the well, motion capture and animation, it gives you Do you feel like it gives you the freedom? Do you feel freer yes. with motion capture? Yeah.
2: You, so let's talk about what you're talking about there, because I think I, I really do enjoy your podcast. I think that the, I like the level of thoughtfulness that that you both bring to it. I think that you're hitting on something that that's really important. I'm I'm talking about a personal reaction. What the motion capture does bring into is is that world building aspect of it, where you control everything. Now, yeah. what also. Yeah what you're doing with motion capture is you're still using the tools of a live action in the sense that even though it doesn't look like a camera,
3: mm-hmm. Jim's
2: got a camera. He can operate that like a camera. You're not laying it out in a series of boards, looking on a monitor, watching mm-hmm. people animate you're in there and you're, you have all the live action kind of uh, call and response,
3: right? Mm-hmm.
2: The, the building of it, like, I can't remember how this story goes, but I know that Jim was either going to do that or Battle Angel. And some, And I can't remember how it broke down to do Avatar, but it was, it was all based on this test that Weta had done. And it might have been for Avatar, it could have been for King Kong, where they had done a total virtual forest with a T-Rex going through there. And Jim was like, well, why don't we do that? that that feels like so once you go off of, like they even figured that out financially once you go over a certain percentage
3: mm-hmm. then
2: you must might as well go the whole way right and then it gives jim that freedom to to to, to create what he wants to create right mm-hmm. so i think of avatar like i, I get listen even you know i've heard everything pocahontas dances with wolves everything but Really, I think where Jim is tapping into is uh, is Edgar Rice Burroughs wow. and 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 um, the Barsoom books, a, a Princess of Mars, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, John Carter he he's it, it. John Carter gets one day he falls asleep. He's injured. He falls asleep in a cave. He ends up on Mars. And if you read those Barsoom books, they're like. <laughs> They're very much of their time in terms of, like, mm-hmm. I found a horse. It had eight legs. And then I found a dog, and I, we made friends, and it had 20 legs. And Jim mm-hmm. is doing almost kind of a riff with that. This looks like a horse, but it's no, it's got you – know, even the legs thing is mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. even the, the giant Navi who are 12-foot are kind of like the Green Tharks in that book. Now, at this – I think it was after Avatar that Disney went and made – John, John Carter of Mars, right? Yeah, and they made that out in Utah. And I appreciate everything that's gone into that movie, but it looks like John Carter of Utah to me. Mm-hmm. And and even when you you go from and, and listen, Nathan Crawley's an amazing designer. I would kill to just have his pinky finger full of talent. <laughs> but it's there's something else in, in that film where it, it's it's ground it's it's not working to me. And and it feels it doesn't it doesn't take you anywhere. Whereas Avatar, it takes you. Thinking of film with Cameron, I thought it was a little bit like Schrodinger's cat. Until mm-hmm. it's edited, you don't know which version you're going to get. Right? He's he wants to explore these things, and it's your so you're creating them. You have flexibility, and I think that you have this otherworldliness. And then right. so to to the other discussion, we can go back to that at the, at the end or whatever. You know, why did people see this? to me it's like well, why did people go see the luminaire brothers have a train come towards them
3: Mm
2: -hmm. that that, that is another kind of cinematic immersiveness yeah that that, that's different from the story of jake and and natieri right Mm -hmm. there's an immersiveness and i think that the other thing that motion capture allowed jim to go in on that movie was that there, a lot of what we see are action movies but very few are adventure movies mm-hmm. yes. and i think the most successful parts to avatar for me are of discovery mm-hmm. so if when wow. you meet yep. Na'vi for the first time that night scene that's all black lit and he's touching those 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 plants and they react and I, and maybe, again, I could be bringing something because I'm a bit of a sucker for, like, Disneyland blacklight, right? (laughs) But there's a discovery there, and I think that people react to that. Or, like, getting on the top of a dragon and and then seeing it fly. So, and you being on it with the camera, so you mix that, you mix the, 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 the motion capture up with this Jim's understanding of 3D, that was a very complicated camera, and I think that's why you don't see that much really done mm-hmm. anymore. But he had a way that, but he knew how to do it and make it a, a comfortable viewing experience, and he knew how to do it and make it cinematic. And I think that that the he, doing the discovery of the of the environment and being in in, um, in in that motion capture world, yeah, you you now you can create it, and the way he did it. I think, you know, it had a palette, it had, it was beautiful, it didn't, I mean, you've seen lots of movies that have lots of stuff shoved in them, but mm-hmm. he he gets a, faz, a phantasmagoric quality out of it without it becoming overwhelming, at least to me. Huh? You know
0: I have like kind of a follow-up question though which is um, yeah. about kind of the conversation that we were having about um, the yeah. storybook quality of the Polar Express and kind of how you know you've you said it was up to the director mm-hmm. like whatever the director mm-hmm. um, wanted to do but you kind of had like this source material that everybody was kind of sticking yeah. to I'm wondering I know James Cameron kind of came up with the idea for the world through a dream that he had while he was in college and I'm wondering how you actually someone's dream in an art department are you like jim is this kind of like what you dreamed like i'm i'm just wondering you know like without yeah. that source material but with a very strong source material there that you guys can't see like how do you actualize yeah.
2: that how about with a really strong personality yes and, and so rick would always say jim's been to pandora we have not we have to try to figure out what he's telling us Pandora's like mm-hmm. and that was very very difficult and it they had they had an art department even before the art department that i joined on there mm-hmm. and then i joined that i worked with guys who were on there for five years uh-huh. you know i was on there for two years just under two years mm-hmm. so what you do is you, you just start listening to Jim and then you need to get the images on paper. You need to start sketching. You need to start, you you need that call and response. And I think that Rick and Rob Stromberg did that and brought that in. So for the, that, that world, you know, once Rob came on, the story I heard because Rob was on there already is that Rick or that the Jim saw his work and said, that's my world mm-hmm. that Rob had, had, had gotten, I don't know what he did or he, he was reading it and he was leaning into that, but the amount of artwork that's created and generated by those art artists, you just start sketching. Now, Jim will sketch a couple things. Mm-hmm. I remember there were a couple plants that Jim sketched and we wanted, we were like, those plants have to look like Jim sketched them, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it, it's just about generating that work and getting into a discussion with the director. Is is this what you're looking for? I you don't want to come in like this is what you're looking for. You want to kind of be like, I think this is cool. Is this where you're? Hopefully, you think it's cool. and mm-hmm. Sometimes it isn't. But I hate that. There was a guy named Ty Ruben Ellingston who worked a lot with Del Toro, and and Ty designed the walking suits and and the um, and most of the helicopters. Again, it was a back and forth between Jim, and Jim can draw, so he'll draw on top of that. Mm-hmm. I actually was, one of the other reasons I wanted to move to art direction, because Rick brought me on and said, I want to hear, I think you should storyboard some ideas for Jim. And I remember one day, I hadn't even met Jim, and he was walking through, and he saw some old boards from I don't know when. And I heard him saying, I don't want to see fucking storyboards on this film at all. I was like, oh my God, don't come back to my desk. <laughs> oh my you God. Know? So it's you find the, the 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 relationship with the director that you're trying to go, and I, I this might not be answering in the way that you want me. Maybe you can push me more, but you know it's really about listening, getting artwork in front, yeah. taking those notes, recreating that artwork, and if you can move faster and gest and be gestural, that's that's interesting. Like we here's the one thing, and I learned this on this movie. When when I make a film, when I when I'm a production designer. I want to reflect that film back at the director. So let's take Macbeth with Joel, right? Mm-hmm. He and Fran and, and Bruno, they had come up with all these, they, they had categorized references for almost every environment in that film as photographs and whatnot, all printed like three by fives, right? Mm-hmm. When I got into the art department, man, I blew those things up. Boom, 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 boom. And you put them up on the wall in the sequence of the story. So you, now you can start to take it in.
3: Mm-hmm. When
2: uh, Rick started to do an avatar it was the same thing. There was a lot of work, but it wasn't up in any narrative sense. Uh-huh. Just to take that work and start putting it up on the wall and uh-huh. go. And if there's a hole, go to an illustrator and go, you got a day to do this. What I'm hunting for is the gesture. I don't want to get into the design. I want to get into the gesture of the design. Yeah, yeah. And then that way you're throwing it up. Those areas that you want to fill, you can come back and get tighter. So like the the Battle of Britain at the end with the helicopters and space shuttles, for a long time, they were just American space shuttles that people threw in because we didn't have a design, but you got the tone of that. Mm-hmm. And then Rick started he hit up this yarn that kind of went up and down and around where, where, where are the highs and the lows in terms of the stories. And sometimes there'd just be elements from other films. This is apocalypse. Now this is wizard of Oz, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and you, it almost, you can look at it from the outsider and go, what the hell is going on? But actually once you got it in the terms of the narrative, and I only say that in terms of like, when you're looking at the apocalypse now and stuff like that, but, but it really did work to tell a story and and that was a major lesson that I learned with myself as a designer. What you want to do immediately is you want to get those images up and start reflecting the film back at the director. Then the director is very much like the kid who's reading the the, the, book. the illustrated book, right? Yeah. That yeah. director, now they can move across. They can stop when they want the frame to last longer. They can edit as they move. You've, you've, you're creating that narrative on the wall and you, it can be judged in terms of, narrative or critiqued. Let's say critiqued in terms of the narrative, critiqued in terms of like, is this the tone we're going for? Or is this going to work it, in terms of the cinematography? Is this the colors, palette I like? All that stuff is up there. And you that allows the team to see it and be in dialogue. It allows the director to see it. And and it's a way that you, you're spreading time in, in color across the wall and, and you're, and you're starting to understand what you're creating.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's what so we said. Yeah. You've got to be a fantastic listener to understand what's going on in the, you know, director's mind. And
2: yeah, well, I'm sure you've been there, Lauren. The, the listening is really important. Uh, it is. Um yeah just the way you're describing
1: it, you know, because I, I make kind of like straight uh, dramas or adventure, but I don't do animation. And so I'm learning so much from you right now. And I appreciate that.
2: Oh, oh. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm going say about that, but thank you. But I just, I think listening is really important. Um, yeah. And, and then the that listening could be expanded in terms of watching the films that that director makes. So... Mm-hmm. I remember watching Aliens while making that film and just having a conversation with Rick going, I don't think we've got enough um, yak that needs to be carried around on these floors. You know, So listening can be watching and seeing what's going on. Listening can be even going through DVDs back in the day, Blu-rays, whatever, looking at those making ofs.
0: When I was thinking mm-hmm. about Avatar and the Polar Express last night, I was kind of thinking about how motion capture makes it so... There's kind of two versions of both of those movies. There's Avatar the play that happens on a stage with actors and, yeah. you know, like fake mm-hmm. props and stuff and shapes and all that. And then there's Avatar the movie, which is what we see, which is all, you know, animated and and designed and mm-hmm. everything. And and I'm wondering as an mm-hmm. art director what... Um, what your relationship with the design of both the play air quotes and the movie was like how do you come up with the um you know backdrops and you know props for actors to work with so that you can then art direct the movie and drop the animation and color and everything on top of what you've art directed in the quote-unquote play version
2: it's it's schizophrenic in a good way, <laughs> and I, I might be using the term wrong, but how you would have used it in the 50s. But um, meaning that when you have a split, let's say it's a split personality. The, the driving force is what's the final image. Mm-hmm. The driving force is what that has to be. The, on a traditional film, you have the driving force and then the realities of shooting and, and wanting that actor to feel comfortable in that place with the director and the director, they should go in and just, the only thing they're thinking about is making their movie. So in, 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 in um, motion capture, you wanna concentrate on the, what is it you're driving towards the, 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 the final image? What is that gonna be? What is, that's the dream. Mm-hmm. What, what is the dream world that you're creating? Then what you want is as much that you can give, in my mind, as much as you can give to the actor and the director. So when they walk in, at they least they got a sense of where they, where they are, you know? So if you have a, as a prop, get that prop as close as you can. It's called including. I always think like, how much can I include before it's going to drive people the, before it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I want those places in. So like in Marvin, I yeah. always built more than what Bob wanted. And that's because we could always take it away. It wasn't expensive, but I wanted things to be there. Like I had to think about like, oh, if a character comes here and they're shooting at something, the I can imagine I'm not an actor, but I think you're going to want to press your back up against the wall and then you want to look around the corner. So let's make sure we have something that's like that, and then we can lock it off so it's it's rigid so that mm-hmm. you you normally on like not normally, but on a live action typical live action film, you have all that's there and you're thinking in terms of story with that. but in the in the in the motion capture, you really want to make sure that I I try to just give as much so that people know what they're looking at. I could, I, I'm not an actor. I have, I don't understand that alchemy. I I'm I'm amazed by it, but I don't understand it. But I would think that you want as much there as you're bringing that world in, in, that it can be difficult to know what that is. So we do that in terms of props and whatnot and then the set in which you can bring, but also we usually have boards set up and they have the illustrations on them. So that if somebody wants to walk over and kind of get, where am I right now? Mm-hmm. And then there's usually like 70 inch monitors that show what Jim or the director is seeing in the camera. And that also helps so that people can kind of go, okay, I know where I am. That's how the play, mm-hmm. the play, that that you're trying to reduce the play as much as possible, but you're right. right. it is a play. and th- and, th- and I, I can only assume that it's going to take more effort because there's not mm-hmm. you're taking away that reactive. I gotta imagine when Julie Christie walked into that ice, you know <laughs> ice palace on, on Dr. Zhivago, there's a lot that you can uh, take right. in there. But when you're in Pandora and you're you're seeing, um, chicken wire kind of shapes
3: mm-hmm. you,
2: you've got to bring it to you so I, yeah it's, it's a difficult thing it's a, you, you, I always I'm just always thinking about the director and the actors like what what can we give them what, what, what all can we give them so that they can they can try to make that play work
0: do they see previews of what you guys are coming up with as yes. the design as you yes. go okay. yes
2: yeah the actors i mean jim would yeah yeah they would they would jim would take them through and tour them and 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 tour them it's it it was a look it's i still think it's pretty amazing even though the technology is probably 10 years old and i'm sure for avatar 2 and 3 and 5 and 8 it's way better but it was pretty cool you could get in and see those are pretty high res models
3: mm-hmm. that you
2: could see on that camera. And so he could take the actors around and go, you're going to go here, then you're going to grab this and this. And, and if the actor was like, I don't feel comfortable, we could move a tree,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
2: over, we, we could just take that tube and move it over and we could move the digital tree that was connected to it fairly quickly. It was, it was fluid, but um, yeah, we would, we would definitely do that you know they, he did that not only for Pandora but the live action sets. So mm-hmm. he he would have stand-ins for the actors, and then he would be in the live action set capturing a, in a computer model, so that he could give notes on what was being built, mm-hmm. and also so that when he got down there with uh, Rubisi and, and you know, they, they they could he knew he had that thing in his mind. But yeah, yeah, you do need the there the books and books of you, you um kind of the the landscape of the movie the filmscape
3: yeah. and just
2: books and books that are there so that the actor can go through and look at that and really get that in their head and and um and and Jim was was always like he was he like he he'd been the pandora so he mm-hmm. he would take them through explain what was going on what these creatures were
1: what was yeah. what was your um So you went from that to production design Mm -hmm. and, and it's just a a growth out of what you started with. I mean, was your like, it was that your drive? Like I'm going to do this, but I'm really becoming interested in the whole, I guess it just makes sense to become a production
2: designer. If you're kind of, I, my, my drive as a, as a 20 year old was, I loved, I loved, um, visual effects. I loved that kind of world building. I loved, you know, I was eight when Star Wars came out, but really there was a, like an ABC special or something like that on the making of, and I saw artwork by Ralph McQuarrie and these guys. I, I loved, I just, loved the idea that your imagination could go somewhere and that you could create and be with other people that were, that have that similar interest was there. Now funny enough, when I was at I l m is when I realized I was an intern there. I was like oh we're we're kind of a vendor. <laughs> you know the, these days of George Lucas aren't here now, you're a vendor that doesn't happen with you. But when I was with on Jurassic and I, I just fortunate enough to be on set, and I just kind of m- I did say matured, but I don't mean that anything against I just mean that as my own interests changed. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I I worked with a guy, Michael Backus, who was he was in charge of the the on-screen displays. And um because I, I ended up transferring to there and did a lot of the on screen graphics on Jurassic Park. And his wife at the time was Martha Coolidge. <clears throat> and I remember being over at the house and I was like, mike what should i watch and and mike just wrote this huge list and on weekends and then when i was unemployed after jurassic park yeah i'd watch three movies a day Mm -hmm. and 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 just you just you just the world opened up because i never took film classes right the the Mm -hmm. criterion laser discs were my film class Mm -hmm. (laughs) the first time i saw um black narcissus i was like blown away like so you you just grow older (laughs) you know and sometimes your change what you want to do changes and sometimes it doesn't and i i don't think i ever strived to be a production designer i just wanted to be a very good um art director you know i wanted i liked i liked knowing that i could do what i did and and protect the, the people i cared about you know to go listen i've got let me
1: take some of this weight i can do that what what are you looking for now? What kind of projects are you interested in doing?
2: I think more than what kind of projects, I'm, I'm just interested in, in, in directors that I can I can work with. Mm-hmm. I I like um, I I have to say that like ev- everything is, everything brings its own element t- mm-hmm. to to what joy I get out of it. I just like that creativity. So I don't know what's going to come down my way. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I I I really love to do a period film man mm-hmm. I I would really love that but I think you know sometimes the joy is just I, I so when you ask me what I want to do I just I just want to find the right people mm-hmm. and 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 um create that's mm-hmm. that's what I'd like to do yeah mm-hmm.
0: well kind yeah, of going off of that I think that like art direction mm-hmm. and production design and those kinds of fields go um largely underrated i think that a lot of you know credit goes elsewhere and people don't pay as much attention as they probably should to who is doing production design and who is doing art direction and i think there's like um you know i think that that's changing a little bit like i know in um uh, uh is it the mandalorian i think like one of those star wars shows <laughs> like at the end credits they show like the storyboard art Oh, that's awesome yeah and it's it's really great that like people who are working in production design art direction storyboarding are getting that kind of recognition but i'm wondering um two things one like what story um not storyboard excuse me what um art directors or production designers you um drew inspiration from and also like who should we be looking out for like who's um up and coming that you really respect um and admire uh now oh
2: (laughs) Oh, <laughs> i'm gonna nope. leave people out and that will put me in a bad place <laughs> um All right. i you know i do have a love well we'll go we can go right to the beginning like john barry is a man who doesn't get the credit i, I think he deserves and john barry designed star wars mm-hmm. and as a kid you would see the guys who did the illustrations and yeah they just i mean joe johnston and ralph McQuarrie, they 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 were all making that thing but what i loved about john Barry is that um he's got a very ballsy and elegant design that's going on in that film both because you're designing the production right you're 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 not just the environment you you need to be clever in how that's going to be shot So if you look at how he laid out things like the death star it's Mm -hmm. very very clever to keep it on one stage, in terms of just a series of concentric circles that could just be um, a hallway here, a chasm here. When he did the Millennium Falcon, it was a very small set. He built it and there's a painted backing that goes down the center. And also there's something about his design where the, it's not overbearing in the sense that I think a lot of sci-fi can be overbearing. The world feels like it exists just around the corner. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go around the corner, but I, I feel the honesty, and I think part of that is '70s filmmaking in terms of um, you in the '70s it <laughs> feels like you're getting these genre films that mm-hmm. are made very grounded. So you have The Godfather, but it's a grounded kind of gangster movie. You know, you you have this noir is Chinatown that's grounded, and, and and that design. And he even carries on to what John Barry did for Superman, the first Superman. I think it's really fantastic, and I love the depth that he has, and I love that underground layer. I think, in terms of fantasy, that's wonderful. When I look like a, when I look at old school stuff, I I, I like I love Alfred youngie I love um, I love uh, Black Narcissus. I, I I think that's one of the most beautiful films and the psychology of being up in the mountains and the, and the palette and the, and how that works with costumes and mm-hmm. and um I I I I love that film. And um yeah I I, I I'm very uh, I that's pretty cool. And then um as for designers now, I, I think I'll just stay with my contemporaries. The, the people that I love that mm-hmm. influenced me, and so you know, I, I as I mentioned, Rick was really important. I think that uh, Jess Goncher, who designs a lot for the Cohen brothers, and he just designed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh God, was it was it White Noise? It just, I, I can't remember the film they just came out, but he's he's incredible, and to work with him was such an honor. On True Grit. You may think that's a film that doesn't have a lot of design, but there's design in every landscape. and And I think he's absolutely brilliant. And I think that inside Lewin Davis, how he controls the palette and mm-hmm. and working um, with their costume designer, um Mary zofries is unbelievable. and 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 uh, and um, yeah, I think I think his works well. Dennis Gasner, who, um if you look at Miller's Crossing and Bugsy and, and Barton Fink. And I also think he, Dennis, you know, he did um, three of the Bond movies. And, and I think when you look, especially when you, you got him and Sam Mendez and and Roger Deakins, we've never talked about the, the collaboration you have with, with how you collaborate with a, 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 a cinematographer, but that's so important. But I think what he and Sam did on those Bond movies um they're so rich they kind of bonds almost an antiquated ip mm-hmm. but there's something that feels um i don't know it just felt right it felt like uh they just had it was a tastefulness it just had taste i i have a small little library mm-hmm. that i i have here and i, and I recently found out alfred youngie's illustrations were at the were at um in Austin, Texas, at the university there, and, and oh, cool. I, I think if I wasn't designing, I would love to work in some kind of film preservation or, really? or um, yeah, I would love that. I, I think I, I like the idea of film preservation. I like the preservation of the stories of of those people who um, who, who I don't I don't like those those lessons those things being lost. I think. That if you look at Criterion, there's a guy named Craig Barron, and um, he he's doing it in terms of visual effects. And if you if you watch his Rebecca uh, Blu-ray, it's oh, it's so good. Just talking about the miniature work and how things were done, and I mean, I might be fetishizing it, but I just love that that tactile quality, and I like light and shadow, and um, and I, and, I'm a, and I'm a big semi-romantic sucker, <laughs> so I, I I love all that stuff. In fact. When I was working on Macbeth, there was this old beaten up backing of Los Angeles. Um, it was ten foot by, I think it's ten foot by ten foot. And I recently got called saying, "Oh yeah, we're tearing that building down." I'm like, "Can I have the backing?" <laughs> so now I'm trying to get that backing on some leather and try, or linen, and, and trying to figure out how how big I can have it cut and framed mm-hmm. so I can have it in my my office. It's just, I love all that stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I think that there's like so many of these movies that we talk about that are very much image-based movies like movies that yep. are known for and rely on the the landscape and the production design and the art and like those still images that stick with people and i think it's really important that we know like i mean even movies that we've talked about here on the podcast like avatar for example like we talked in our episode about how important the world was and how important to the preservation of that film the um the art direction and the the world building Thing was and I think it's important that we um, know who is behind creating yeah. that world. Yeah,
2: and I also I would say back at you. I think it's important to have a, that critical eye and to be honest in terms of like hmm, this didn't work for it. Citizen Kane's not working for you. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's that's how you see things, and that's what brings up discussions. I thought your discussions on 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 Pinocchio. The uh, Del Toros were just really lovely and insightful, and I think I, I appreciate your podcast and and the discussions that you're both having. And I like that it's cross generational as well, yeah, yeah. and 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 being able to kind of I think it's important to have those. It's not that you need to convince anyone, but it just helps you see things from a, a, a different point of view. And I think mm-hmm. especially in the climate <laughs> we are in today it's good to be able to have those debates and 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 just to be able to see how other people see things and again i think that goes to that empathy like 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 Mm -hmm. how how does this person view that and what's their uh, you know their thoughts on it i Mm -hmm. think it's it's really important and I, i appreciate your podcast
0: Thank you. Nice. Well, I think we <laughs> we see it as also a form of film preservation, much like you were talking about. Yeah. You know, um, but more in like a journalistic, like record keeping mm-hmm. way. But we mm-hmm. definitely want to preserve like old movies and new movies and and everything in between. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You're fabulous. You're delightful appreciate you
1: this has been a i I like that i'm being educated Mm -hmm. and (laughs) so yes thank you so much
2: oh thank you (laughs)
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode, part one of our interview with Stefan. We are so honored and so grateful to have him on our podcast for not only one episode, but two. So join us next week for the second part of our interview, where we fold the conversation from this episode into a larger conversation about the Polar Express, how it relates to his work on Avatar and his career as a whole. Thank you to Antonio Ortiz for composing our theme and all other music on this podcast. Be sure to follow us at Movies Made Her on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date on episode releases the movies we'll be covering and all things podcast related.